0: All right, I want to draw your attention to verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 13. It says, Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar. That's the title of my message this morning. I get my title from this verse right here. Notice what he says here. He says, We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp, wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach, For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one which is to come. By him, therefore, by him, talking about Jesus Christ, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So what's this talking about right here? Basically what this passage is teaching us, is that we have an altar that those who are worship serving the tabernacle have no right to in other words those who are still offering up lambs for a sacrifice or for atonement of sin they have no part they have no place in the altar that we have our altar that we have that takes care of all of our sins or is the altar that was taken that was outside the camp, you could say that our altar is Mount Calvary where Jesus Christ, our Lord, was crucified. And so because of that, we don't have altars anymore where we go and we uh, offer up sacrifices as atonement for our sins. That's already done by what Jesus Christ did. And thank God for that. But those who decide, I'm going to go and I'm going to serve the old altar, I'm going to sacrifice lambs and things too, those people don't have a part in what we have. You can't have a little bit of both. All right, It's, it's one or the other. You either have Christ or you have... Or you have The things of the Old Testament, and you're not going to go to heaven by the things of the Old Testament because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He mentions in here too how we have no continuing city, but we seek one which is to come. This is one here I wish the dispensationalists would figure out. What that verse right there means is in the Old Testament, Jerusalem was the city where God had chosen to put his name there forever. But because of and what that meant is the temple was gonna be there, that's where people would bring the sacrifices, that's what they would do. Uh, you know all the the main feasts and things they were all done in that city of Jerusalem, but because Israel never could keep those things, they never kept the laws, they never kept the feasts like they were supposed to, Jesus Christ came and he did it all for us, so we don 't have a city that we go to we don 't have a place where we can go and offer up our offerings on the altar and things like that we don 't have that so what we do is we offer up in verse in verse 15 by him therefore let us offer, offer the sacrifice of praise to god so you know how we offer up sacrifices today first off we do it by christ in other words we exalt his offering that he made of his own body rather than any offering of our own and all we're doing when we are doing that by him is we're giving him 100 percent glory What we're doing is we're saying, hey, I'm going to heaven, but you know what? It's not by my works. It's not because I kept the laws, but because of what Jesus Christ did. So you know what we do? We praise the Lord. That's a a sacrifice. That's an offering. We are allowed to give in church, in the house of God, something we're still supposed to be doing in the New Testament. We're supposed to be offering praise to God. That's, That's absolutely appropriate. And then he says in there, too, and to do good and to communicate, which is a term for forgiving. Hey, don't forget those things. Let's keep on trying to be good. Let's be a blessing to others. Let's be willing to give. You know, let's do all these things because with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. God is pleased by these things. So right here, what we see is the altar that we have. Okay. Now, there is a big push today in the IFB world to put a greater emphasis on the altar call in church. OK, now uh, let me read you this quote. I read this. Somebody shared this on Facebook the other day. Dean McNeese. He's a he's a camp. He's camp meeting royalty. All right. Most of you wouldn't know who he is, but I, I love the camp meeting crowd. So I know I know who this guy is. And this was a post that he did that somebody was sharing and people were commenting. It's like, oh, man, this is great. We put this practice into our church. And this has revolutionized our church. But listen to what he said. All right. He says, look how the Lord designed the temple. It seems our church altars may be on the wrong side of our auditorium, and our invitations at the wrong place in our services. You know what he's talking about there is the altar. Whenever you go into the tabernacle, that was one of the first things you get to. Right. All right, this is the holy of holies up here apparently. You know, and, and uh, but uh, he, yeah, he said you know, we're doing we're doing it backwards because we've got our altars in the front, meaning the platform where people come forward and pray. But he's saying you know in the ta- in the tabernacle. It was the first thing that you saw. So he said, maybe we should sing, just as I am, have thine own way, Lord. Lord, I'm coming home at the start of our services. This is why we are usually about ready to start having church when the invitation is closing. Okay? So in other words, and folks, if you're, if you're not from this world, uh, you might not understand all this, but this is the way we're supposed to do things according to uh, IFB protocol, all right, which we... Do not follow, all right? But what we're supposed to do is at the end of every service, and we used to do some of this, but we always stunk at it, all right? And it was because I never used the manipulation tactics. I refused to do that stuff. There was a lot of, there's a lot of abuse in the altar call uh, I I never did that. I just, I always refused to do that. I was like, if this is going to work, it's just going to have to work by the Holy spirit. And I'm not going to pretend to be the Holy spirit. And so, because I didn't do follow the proper protocol, even in that, you know, we never, we never had church (laughs) as as they would say. So, and what I mean by that is after I get done preaching a message, we start playing the emotional music. I have everybody praying. And then I get y'all coming forward to come weep at the altar and, give up your sins or whatever. You know, you have, you have to have that altar call, and it's supposed to be an emotional experience. After we get done having the altar call, you know, I'm supposed to ask, you know, did anybody get anything right? And then y'all are supposed to start testifying, confessing your sins, we're supposed to cry, it's supposed to drag on for hours, we still all start hugging at the end, and then we all go home, and then we come back and we do it again next week, all right? Now, we've never been into that, we've never really done that. But at the same time, you know, we did have like our invitations and things like that just because I didn't know it. I thought if you didn't do that, you were a liberal. That's what I was told in my life. I mean, I mean, if you didn't and I'm going to show you some of the preaching that I heard growing up. And, you know, and I, I was just never challenged on this. I thank God I finally got challenged on this. You know, look at the scriptures and the like, I know why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because of political pressure. All right? That was why that was why we did it. There's there's no doubt about that. But first off, let me just show you what he said was theologically inaccurate to the extreme, saying we need to, in church today, start having our altar call maybe at the beginning of the service. All right? That's what he's saying. I don't think he's saying we need to move our platform to the back, but necessarily he's saying the altar call should be the first thing we do. we got to get right, and then we can start moving forward, and we can start having church, all right? In other words, we're all going to get excited. But let's, let's look at a few things here, all right? Matthew 27, verse 50 says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top To the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Now, we're not going to go through the whole process of the tabernacle and how it all worked, but it did all start out with an altar. They had an altar on the outside that they did, and they had all these washings and things they would go through finally they would go into the holy place but then they would go behind that veil to the most holy place which was the holy of holies which only the high priest would enter into once a year and it was i mean this place i mean that's where they had church all right you know that's where the shekinah glory would come down or you know and i, I hate to say it, but that's what they'll say all right but at the same time the glory of god would fill that room all right. It wasn't the Shekinah glory, though. That's that's a subject for another day. But the glory of God would fill that room. And we see that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he ripped that veil in two. What did that mean? What did that symbolize there? Well, I think Hebrews 415 gives us an idea. It says, for we have not an high priest. Only the high priest went into that holy holy event uh, at first. Which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, because Jesus Christ did all those ceremonial things for us, because Jesus Christ offered up his body on the cross, I don't have to worry about approaching God and bringing my prayers to him and being struck down. I don't have to worry about cleansing myself. Now, we ought to want to try to have our hearts right with God, but I don't need to go take a bath before I can go pray to the Lord. I don't need to do all those things. I boldly can approach the throne of grace knowing that my high priest did everything that needed to be done in a perfect way. And if I go and I approach God and I go to him in prayer, he's not going to strike me down. In fact, he's gladly going to hear me. He is going to listen to me as a son because of what Jesus Christ did. So understand that that altar that that Dean McNeese is symbolizing here... We're seeing that in the Bible, because of what Jesus Christ did, folks, that stuff is all bypassed. We don't need any of that. We boldly now can approach the throne of grace. So for us to pattern our service off of how they did things then makes no sense. When Jesus Christ took all of that stuff out of the way, he nailed all those things to the cross. He ripped the veil and temple. I mean, we ought to we should just be ready to go right now. We should just be ready to have church right now. We don't need to to put on a big production. We don't need to have a big cry fest at the altar. We don't need to do any of that stuff. There is no need. Jesus Christ, our high priest, already did the work that needs to be done. All right. But now I do want to say this, though, in, in defense of altar calls. okay? because I don't want people to just, you know, go. Sometimes people get a little too angry about some of this stuff. But, you know, no one is saying that the stage is literally an altar like in the Old Testament. All right. It's just a poorly thought-out symbolic one, okay? Because people like to bring up how in, in the Bible, when they built an altar, there weren't supposed to be steps going up the altar. And usually altars are steps at a church. And, you know, you weren't supposed to bring any engraving tool on. It was supposed to be stones that weren't hewn at all, that weren't fashioned, which is funny because it's always the old-fashioned altar. you know, And they always sanctify everything by calling it old-fashioned. All right. Anytime they want to bring up anything that they don't have Bible for, they just call it old fashioned. And the longer they hold out old, the more they sanctify it. You know, and, and but it's like, hey, if it's an old fashioned altar, then it isn't biblical because it's not supposed to be fashion. So they just need to call it the old altar. Maybe that'll do it. All right. If they hold it, if they hold it out long enough, the old timey altar. All right. And, you know, the, 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 you know, don't get me going on that. But at the same time, okay, they're calling it an altar and it has steps. I don't think we need to hit them over the head with the Old Testament, especially when we're trying to show them, hey, that's, we're able to bypass all that. So if they do make an altar and it has steps going up to it, because Jesus Christ took care of all that stuff, I don't think God's going to strike them down. They can still approach the throne of grace boldly on steps. Okay? And if they want to call it an old-fashioned altar, you know, it's just, it's, it's foolish, but I'm not going to beat them up for it. And, you know, and Listen, there's nothing wrong with the congregation getting on their knees together and praying as a congregation. Okay? And whether we gather in the front, whether we do it in our pews, whether we gather in the basement, if we want to gather together somewhere and get on our knees together and pray to the Lord, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay? If you go to a church and they go for and they and they're doing that, you know, don't run out of there screaming. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with that. They can do that. All right, that's okay. We can we can do that. Yeah, but that's not there's steps up there hey jesus christ took all that stuff out of the way all right we'll go we'll go pray at steps if we want to just don't let's not act like these steps are like these sacred things all right where we can get closer to god we, we can pray at steps we can pray at pews we can pray on a pile of rocks we can pray in a basement we can pray at, you know in a hole in the ground all right y'all y'all get that So don't beat people up if they do that. They're fine. And also, I don't believe it's a sin. I do not believe it's a sin for a church to have a time where people can come forward to pray or get right with God or even get saved. Okay? If if that's a method that they want to use, they're not sinning by doing that. Now, just because maybe that's not the best method to use, it doesn't make it a sin. Do you understand that? And listen, just because... Some churches really do abuse how they do altar calls. It doesn't make everyone who does it a sin. Okay? Some people might do it in a way that's appropriate. So it's the abuse that's the sin. So just because there's a better method doesn't make that method a sin. So don't think, you know, so don't leave here today and go visit a church someday and if they have an altar call think, oh, I need to run out of here no or you know, people that oh i found a good church you know they're king james only they're right on the gospel they're soul winning but they've got altar calls i can't go there shut up you know you, know, you can't you, know, you shouldn't go there because you'll ruin that church because you're petty and pathetic you know go jump in a lake we don't want you in our church either all right so just you know that i, I hate when people get all crazy with that you know oh, that church does altar calls so what all right but anyway but at the same time I do believe a vast majority of what's taking place with altar calls today is extremely counterproductive. And so what I have a major issue with those pastors making up, literally making up slogans about altar calls that are not in the Bible and many times unbiblical. Because folks, I, listen, I've been around this for a long time, all right? I don't exaggerate mo- most of the time. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't make stuff up, all right? I, I try to represent accurately, Okay. And if you've been around this, I mean, you tell me if I'm, if I'm, if I'm representing an, an actor. I'm not doing it. But you'll hear, hear pastors, they'll just get up. Okay? Now, they don't have any Bible to prove that we ought to have an altar call in service. So what do they do? They just get up and just with great theatrics and with great pomp and with great authority, you know, they'll just say things, you know, what we need Your revival starts at an old-fashioned altar. Well, that sounds real good, all right? Can you show me the chapter and verse on that? Didn't you hear how the great eloquence I said it with? I said it with my vibrato voice. <laughs> or they'll say it too, you know, with the goat voice, you know, with the marker down. <laughs> when the altar goes, the power goes. <laughs> you know, the, the, you know, if you ask the, you know, it's like, you know, if we want to move God, we got to get people on their knees in that old-fashioned altar. <laughs> well, man, how can we, how can we speak against that, man? The guy's about to cry. He's using the goat voice. I mean, you know. Uh, what, I love the goat voice, folks. I, uh, any opportunity I've got to use the goat voice when I'm preaching, I'm going to take advantage of that. But listen, they'll say these things, and they sound really good. You know, they'll do the three acts. They'll do the Billy Sunday. We've got to get back to the altar, you know. And, and, and I was listening to some guys the other day. They're having a discussion online, a couple of Baptists. And there was like, he's like, you know, he's like, if we're going to have a move of God today, it, it's, st- it's got to start at an altar. Well, we've got to get back to the altar calls. A lot of churches getting rid of altar calls today. We're, we haven't got a chance. You know, Mark her down, Stick a fork in it. We're done. And we haven't got an altar. So you ask these people, well, hey, can you show me a chapter and verse on that, all right? Can, can you show me something in the Bible? And so, and man, folks, I know these people, all right? They're, they're not Bible scholars. They don't know much Bible. But they do know how to use e-sword. They know how to use e-sword. And they know how to use... Theatrics, they know how to use fancy voices, they know how to use their southern accents, and they're able to get up and sound really good. And so you ask these people, you know, hey, can I get a chapter and verse? I'll give you a chapter and verse. I'll show you. Bible says in Genesis chapter eight, verse twenty, and Noah builded an altar. Genesis chapter twelve, verse seven, and there builded he, talking about Abraham. An altar. Genesis thirty three verse twenty. And he, talking about Jacob, erected there an altar. Exodus chapter seventeen, verse fifteen. And Moses built an altar. And then Joshua 8 30. Then Joshua built an altar. Judges chapter 6 verse 24. Then Gideon built an altar. And this is way better too if you haven't memorized, alright? I don't have it memorized. 1 right. first Samuel chapter 14, verse 35, and Saul built an altar. This was in Saul's early days, before he got away from God, before he rebelled against God. You want to know what happened to him later? He forgot about the altar. That's what he forgot about. 2 like Samuel chapter 24, verse 25. And David built there an altar unto the Lord. 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 25. And three times in a year did Solomon offer burnt offerings and peace offerings upon the altar which he built unto the Lord. You want to know what happened to Solomon later in his life? He built an altar to Ashtoreth. And you know what? Mark her down. Just stick a fork in it. We're done when we get rid of the altar. And you know what? It works a lot better when you got a bunch of just people out there, amen, and everything saying, and, and running aisles. You know, we've forgotten the altar. But here's the big question, all right? That sounded pretty good right there. But here's the big question. Can anybody show them building, them building an altar after Christ? Can anybody show me where the Apostle Paul built an altar, or Peter built an altar, or James or John? Any of those guys built an altar? You know, because I know how to use Esau too. And you know what? The only mention of altars after the Gospels are references to Old Testament events or they are in the book of Revelation talking about an altar in heaven. And there's only one exception and it's the one that we read in Hebrews chapter 13 where it says we have an altar... Which they have no right to, who serve those altars of the Old Testament. Our altar that we have, like I said, it's Mount Calvary. It's what Jesus Christ did. So, right there, you know, I, that, I'm, I, I must ask you people, I need you to show me where we need to have an altar. Yeah, all those guys sacrifice altars. But I can also show you where they all, or they all had altars. I can also show you where they all sacrificed lambs. I thought Jesus did that for me. So why in the world are you telling me and are you proclaiming that we can't have revival without the altar, that we can't have church without the altar? That why, you know, why, how can you accuse me of being a liberal if I don't have an altar call on my service? How can we do these things? This passage is teaching that our altar is one that has fulfilled its role by the work of Jesus Christ. So, no matter, you know, so, but to me, what's most repulsive about the altar call movement is that it wouldn't even be, what they do would not even be biblical under Old Testament ways and Old Testament times. And let me show you that too, all right? Let's look at how the altar was supposed to work and what it was supposed to do, even in the Old Testament. And let's ask ourselves, does this even mash up with what they're trying to even do symbolically it's, an absolute, it's the absolute opposite. So first off, and I preached about this a while back when we were going through Malachi, but look at Malachi chapter 2 and verse 13. It says, And this have ye done again. Okay, this is something they've done before, and they're doing it again, and God wasn't happy before when they did it, and God's not happy now that they're doing it. He said, it, uh, this is you to be done again, covering the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping, and with crying out, insomuch that he regardeth not the offering anymore, or receiveth it with good will at your hand. Now, folks, what it's supposed to happen when we have church. This is what it means to have church. It means people come and are covering the altar with tears. All right? They're supposed to come, cover the altar with tears, tears, which means they need to come and they need to get right. And folks, we want people to get right. Okay, When you, when you come to church, I hope you don't just listen to this preaching for entertainment. I, I hope you, you take it, you take it to heart, you internalize it, and then you go home and you let it change you. That's exactly what's supposed to happen. I hope you read your Bible and it changes you. But notice here, too, that when these people are coming forth, the problem was they're not changing. The problem is these people, they've been doing the same sins over and over and over again, and they're coming, and they're covering the altar with tears, and they're bringing their sacrifices to God, but God's like, I don't even care about your sacrifices anymore. God did not not care about the sacrifices. God cares about obedience. I'll show you more scripture on that, but here these people are. They're having a big emotional crying fest at an altar, and it made God sick because of the fact that that none of these people were changing. They're doing this over and over and over again. And folks, they do this over and over again. It's week after week in church. Some of these places, they have revivals, like in every, you know, they'll, they'll have four revivals a year. And they bring in preachers that know how to get the waterworks going. That know how, and folks, it's not that hard to get people to come to the altar, all right? All you got to do, if you, if, you know, and I'm not the most intimidating guy in the world, all right? You know, I, but at the same time, you get some big intimidating guy in there. And tell them to bow your heads, close your eyes. You know, everyone, if the Lord spoke to your heart, raise your hand. You know, and then, all right, you raise your hand. All right, if you raise your hand, come forward. All right, now those of you the Lord didn't speak to, you raise your hand. Well, now you look like a hypocrite if you don't raise your hand because you didn't raise your hand the first time. All you, did raise your hand. Something's wrong with that. The Lord didn't speak to you. You come to the altar. Ask God why he didn't speak to you. And then now I've got the whole church up at the altar, don't I? You know, I just did success. All right, you know, now I take pictures and I tweet it all over. Altar's full tonight after the service. Holy Ghost showed up. You know, folks, that is that is so out of line, that is so wrong. But that's what they do. They know how. To, they they tell their emotional stories. They tell their war stories. And they get people all worked up. And they get them all feeling it, And they get them coming forward. And these people, they come. They go through the motions. They might even get some of them to cry. Right. You know, I'll, I started doing my goat boys. <laughs> Telling about my dog that died. <laughs> my companion for 20 years. My wife's already dead. My kids are already dead. But then the Lord took my dog. <laughs> I asked the Lord, why? You know, I, I mean, people are going to be crying. Sometimes the Lord's going to make us go through difficult times. We just got to learn to keep on trusting him. You know, and y'all are laughing. Y'all have no, I mean, y'all are just cold hearted people, man. I'm talking about my dog dying with my goat voice and you're all just laughing about it. You know, and then man, you're going to come, cry. And then we declare success. They declare victory. Folks, oh, Right here, this is, this is the start of revival right here. No, it's not. You know, when revival starts, revival does not start at the altar. Revival starts when you go home and you actually change something. When something's actually different. When you're actually doing the right thing. When somebody's not talking in their goat voice, you know, telling emotional stories, and you're doing the right thing anyway, showing that the Holy Spirit's actually working. That right there is what shows that you actually accomplished something. We've actually had revival. But when people are just coming over and over again, and they're crying at the altar and nothing changes, God gets weary of that. God gets sick of that. And yet today, I mean, right here, God is calling them out and rebuking them for covering the altar with tears. And I could show you preachers that I know that have taken, they take pictures, they take pictures of the altars that are covered with tears. I, I, I've, I've seen it. I could show these to you. Pictures of tear covered altars. And the Lord showed up today. Oh, really? Is that, that what it looks like? Because... You think God was pleased with that? My Bible says He's not pleased with that. That's what my that's what my Bible says. Christian, you know, so Christians they're claiming today they had church because a bunch of people cried at the altar, but it doesn't matter if none of them change their ways. So and, and look, turn over to Matthew chapter five. Look at this too, because everyone's like it starts at the altar. Now, why do they want it to start at the altar? You know why? Because our church is dead, and we need something to happen in the service. That's why. They need something to happen in the service because everybody's bored out of their minds. They don't, you know, nobody knows why they're even showing up. Everybody wants a good show. That, that's what it's all about. But look what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 22. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Erechah shall be in danger of the council. And whosoever say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way first, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come off thy gift. Do you know they were supposed to get right before they came to the altar? Okay, that's what they actually were, Jesus said to do in the Old Testament. Before you bring your gift to the altar, go get right. What are they teaching in church today? Come get right, or come, go, come to the altar, you know, and then go get right. Um, That's not what they did in the Old Testament. That's not what Jesus told them they should do. Before you go and you come and you put on your big production and you put on your big show of just laying it all on the altar, you know what you ought to do? You ought to go get right first. That's what you should actually do. But truth is, people are doing it opposite. We should get right with people before we go to the altar. So... Uh, Turn over to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. It says, If a man say, I love God and hated his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. it's, It's amazing how people, they think they've had some kind of spiritual experience when they come to the altar and they get right with God. But that same person can't get right with another human being in the room. Listen, if you can't even love your brother whom you have seen, how can you love God whom you haven't seen? Okay, That's what the Bible is actually teaching right there. You deal with your problems with each other first, and then you come and do your thing at the altar. That's, that's what the Bible actually teaches. That's what we should actually be doing. We can't have a good relationship with our Heavenly Father when we don't have a good relationship with our brother. It would, it would, I would not be able to be a good friend to you if I'm out there linking arms with your worst enemy, you all understand that. And if we're going and we've got, if we've got problems with people in the church and, uh, and God's children, and we're not getting along, we're fighting with them. And then we think we're going to go have church and have a good relationship with God. That's not going to happen. God wants you to get right. Cause you know what? God loves your brother too. And God's not going to go and just have this great relationship with you when you won't get right with your brothers and sisters on this earth. So you know what you need to do? You need to go have an experience with them and get right with them before you come up here and have an experience with God. That's what needs to happen. God's not going to meet with you up here until you've taken care of business with those out there. So right there we see that they, even under the Old Testament, you know, and what they're trying to symbolize today, they're doing it all backwards. It does not start at the altar. It would actually end at the altar. They get right first, then they bring their gifts to the altar. So, turn over to Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 10. So, the altar was not a place to go and get right. Another thing we see in the Old Testament is that God, He was wearied by vain worship practices that did not produce obedience. Y'all understand that? It is just a vain... Listen, some churches, they've done this so much... I mean, the pastor doesn't have to say anything. As soon as they hear the music on the piano, just, you know, I mean, they're they're going right up to the altar. I mean, like I mean, like zombies, all right. Just they they hear the sound of the cornet, the harp, you know, the buttons, the tree and all kinds of music, and they're just they bow down, all right. I mean, just immediately. That, that's the, that's the way it goes in a lot of churches today. But look, what it says in Isaiah chapter in um, chapter ten, chapter one, in verse ten. says, hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. Now, is God talking to Sodom and Gomorrah here? Because didn't they get destroyed a long time ago? He's talking to Israel right here. He's calling them Sodom and Gomorrah. That, my friends, is what we call an insult. They had it coming. It says, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or lambs or of he goats. Wait a minute, I thought that was revealed in Hebrews that God wasn't satisfied with the blood of bulls and goats. All right, actually, that comes from Isaiah. Isaiah talked about that same thing. A, I'm full of that stuff. You've given enough of that stuff. Look what it says When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations incense is an abomination unto me wait a minute didn't he command these things how is what they are doing an abomination if these are the sacrifices and the things that he's told them to bring he says the new moons and the sabbaths the calling of assemblies i cannot away with it is the iniquity even the solemn meeting your new moons and your appointed feast my soul hateth. they are trouble unto me I am weary to bear them. Why would God say this about the things that He instituted? It says, when ye, when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide my face from you. All right, they're they're before the altar. They've got their arms in the air too. The Holy Spirit's moving, and they're praying. He He said, I'm hiding my eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. So here they are. They're doing their thing at the altar. That they're trying to symbolize, and God said, I can't stand it. Get, get rid of it. Away with it. I, I've, I've had enough of this. Why? Because your hands are full of blood. Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. How is the faithful city becoming harlot? It was full of judgment, righteousness, it, but now murderers. You know why God had a problem with all these practices that they were doing that he instituted? Because they weren't producing obedience. They were obeying being obedient in the religious practices. But when it came to just living the life, they weren't doing the right things. And folks, there's some people. They have got it down what they're supposed to do when they come to church. They know how to dress. They know how to act. They know when to stand up. They know when to sit down. They know when to clap. They know when to come to the altar. They know when to do the whole nine yards. But when they are not in the church, they are living just like the devil. They are living just like the world. And they come and they do their thing at the altar every week, thinking they're taking care of it. And God is sick of them coming forward and doing all that, doing all their prayers when they're not changing anything in their life. That God does not care about that, and he didn't care about it with Israel. God is not pleased by the teenager walking the aisle at the youth conference. He's pleased by the teenager that just goes home and changes their ways. And you know, if, they, if these youth conferences, if they want to have an altar call in a right way, in a more biblical way, you know what they should do is the next year they should say, all right, it's altar call time who got right last year and has been doing right since then, you come testify. The problem is, we're not going to hear the goat anymore. We're going to (laughs) hear... We're going to hear crickets. Because most of them went home and they forgot about all their vows that they made. They forgot about all their promises that they did. And they did all the same things that they did the year before. And so because they're not going to get a big production, they're not going to have a bunch of kids coming up to the stage carrying white flags. That was at the youth conference I was at one time. So I surrender. You know, they, because of that, it's just like, well, apparently all we accomplished last year at the youth conference is we went to Six Flags and had a lot of fun. And nobody wants to admit that. So what do they do? They do their—they're going to do their same practice again, and they're going to weary the Lord, and they're going to make Him sick. As everybody comes and they do their same, just fake promises again, their same crying at the altar, emotional experiences. God is not pleased by that. So the sacrifices of the Old Testament—they were ways that showed their obedience. Okay. These sacrifices that they did, it was supposed to show a heart that was right, like baptism is to us today. Baptism does not save us, but baptism, it is the answer of a good conscience towards God. Sacrificing animals did not save them back in those days, but it it was supposed to show someone who is believing in God and who's trusting in God. But for some people, it just became a vain tradition that did not do a thing for them. It didn't do a thing to bring them closer to God. And so God told them, I, said, I don't care about these things. I'm weary of these things. Those things were meant to symbolize some things, but it didn't matter because of the fact these people were not being obedient. They weren't living for the Lord. And all it did was it made God sick. God looked at the feasts. God looked at their new moons that also and their, uh, you know, their Sabbaths things that he commanded, and it was an abomination to him. God called his own things that he instituted an abomination. Why? Because the abomination was not in the, the practices, but it was in the fact that these people were doing it, and it was not doing a thing to change their life. It just became a vain tradition. They made the things of God of just none effect, and they made it a joke. They made it just a, a, an empty practice. And that's what's been done with the altar calls in church today. It's an empty practice. People don't like it. They don't want to do it. They have to do it. Otherwise, they're going to get chewed out from the preacher. It's all right. It's it's noon. We normally get done around this time. But folks, why are we going to come together if we ain't going to do business? We're having an invitation until something happens, and folks, after people start getting hungry and realize the Methodists are beating them to the chicken house, they're going to do what they've got to do to get the pastor to wrap things up. But boy, you think God is pleased with that at all? No, God's not pleased with that. So we, we've got to understand what the purpose of these things. For us. So people, they would be wise not to go to the altar until they have changed their ways. It only irritates God. And so you know... The way we could know when we've had church, it's when soul winning time comes and people show up and boldly preach the word because that's something we've actually been commanded to do. That's how we can know we had church when we actually were being obedient, doing what God said to do when people would go home and they start behaving like Christians, when people would go home and on their own, they're praying when people go home and on their own, they're reading the Bible, walking with God, doing all those things. You know, loving their neighbors, you know, doing all the things we've been commanded to do, that's when we know we've had church. Not when we all come up and say, I'm gonna do everything right. You know, I'm committing to read my Bible. No. That's not when we have church. It's when you actually go home and you're actually doing it. And you're actually reading your Bible. And so I could I could full, I could fill this altar this morning and make all my you know old IV preacher friends think I'm impressed with just by asking two questions. If the Lord spoke to you, come. If the Lord didn't speak to you, come. All right, you know, they, uh, we'll fill we'll the altars up easy. You know, and, and they do that all the time. But it's amazing how in these churches, they'll do that. They'll flood the altars. But then so many time comes, nobody shows up. You know, and then they, and they think they had church because people cried. It's, it's ridiculous. So, you know, we have an altar. And the work that was needed to be done on that altar was completed by Jesus Christ. And so as believers now we need to be victorious and go on being obedient saying we can do all things through Christ Which strengthen us up strengthen us up strengtheneth us that's what that's what we should be doing as believers our work has been done and folks the, this this you know attempted movement to you know get back to the old-fashioned altar it's just, it is the desperate attempt of a dead movement to try to just see something from God, and folks, it's sad. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an attempt of a disobedient people who do not want to believe God, just like the Jews saying, "We demand of the sign." Right. That's what they're doing. Right. They want a sign, but yet Jesus wants them to be obedient. Right. Uh, all right, we, want, we want you to put on a show for us. We want you, we want you to see, you know, we want to see, we want to see the Lord get sister Gertrude who sits there like a bump on a log every week, you know, never let out a holy grunt. We want to see her just get up and start waving her hanky in church. You know, we want to see all these people sit there like a bump on a log every week, never do anything, get up and run a lap, you know, Lord do that, you know, and then we'll be happy. Then we'll praise you. Then we'll be pleased with you. Well, Lord says, I'm not going to do that. How about You. Instead of you asking me to put on a show for you, why don't you go put on a show for me and why don't you go out there and do something godly? Why don't you go out there and glorify me and maybe even get persecuted a little bit? Let me see you do some of the things that I did while I was on earth. Why don't you go out there and praise me? Why don't you go out there and glorify me? Why don't you go out there and make a difference? How about, since I, you know, God's saying to us, since I created you for my pleasure, how about you do something for me? That is what we ought to be doing. And so I hope this will help you. I hope you'll do. I hope we'll do this thing. And you know what? We're not going to have an altar call. and I'm going to have you come at the end of the service. because so you're all cry and say, I'm going to start doing all these things. No, no. Our altar calls when we go home and we follow the things that are being taught from the word of God. And when we do that, God will be pleased. And then we can say, you know what? We had church. That's when we can say that. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. I pray, Lord, this was a help and a motivation to everyone. We thank you for doing the work on the altar for us. We thank you that we don't have to uh, do those things anymore, but we can be victorious. We can do things with boldness, knowing that uh, you've got us covered as our high priest. And I just pray you'll help us to just now be obedient. Lord, help us to realize there's nothing stopping us from being obedient to your word, except for us. And I pray you help us to get ourselves out of the way and just do the things you command us to do. And I pray that uh, you will will see us do great things uh, for you. In your name we pray. Amen.